0: hey this is mike from the high hash rate podcast the podcast where bitcoiners get high and shoot the shit today we have a great episode one of uh one of my favorites of the two that we've made uh, we have a special guest mr paul tarantino paul is uh, an investor and an entrepreneur and among other things uh, a bitcoin preacher as he calls himself so without further ado here is the second episode of High Hash Rate. Like the
1: people I work with call me the Bitcoin preacher because that's like all I want to talk about. And so you do like, once you like figure this thing out, it's like all you want to do is share it with people because you feel like if they don't get it, they're not coming with me on this totally thing that's okay. going to change the world. And so, so you do become a little bit, evangelical about it but you're doing oh, it yeah. because because yeah. you love people and you want them to figure this out uh,
0: we are officially on awesome our second episode of high hash rate so there's all these yeah. little stupid things that we're experimenting with which are cool. openings and closings and treating this as though there's an audience and yada 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 but the um so the thing is i should introduce you who we're speaking with today yes yeah we have paul tarantino here uh, he is, um, among other things, uh, a, a Bitcoin uh, fanatic, just like us. Uh, yeah. Dan, Dan and I met him at um, the most recent uh, Bitcoin Twenty Twenty Two conference. Uh, actually, I don't think Dan met met you, right? No,
2: uh, no, I did not. I, I was not there.
0: And uh, we just sort of started talking, and uh, we ended up like almost trying to orange pill this reporter together yeah. it, it was just an interesting i night. thought we had
1: her i thought yeah, we had her, was, her article
0: was, came out you're totally
1: right <laughs> I, I thought she was totally convinced because she kept going like oh yeah oh, i never Wait, thought of that what's what's want,
2: elaborate on the story i don't know about the reporter
1: she was a um oh god what, remind me mike of the name of that emily uh here let
0: me, sugarman yeah, that's something like that. Emily Sugarman or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Something to this effect. Right. And she, was, she just full up disclosed to
1: us that she was writing uh, an article about how Bitcoiners were all a cult. And so we, we just started hitting her with lots of questions and lots of uh, explanations as to, to why Bitcoin was going to change the world. And, uh, and she seemed like she was fully on board. And then the article came out and I think Mike and I were a little disappointed that uh, we weren't in the article because we did such a good job orange Billiger. her, but, um,
2: this isn't she, the psychopath she, article. We managed is it?
1: to find a few cultish people floating around as you could imagine in any large group and showcased uh, a little bit of their wackiness as an excuse for why Bitcoin is a cult, but uh, it was like a, a porn cult, uh, Religious oh. cult. Uh, it was like any like connection she could make to cultish themes, but Bitcoin was never the cult. It was whatever other stuff they brought with them. I think.
2: Sure. What uh, was which art or which publication was this? This wasn't the psychopath it's, thing. All was.
0: right, I'll read the article name. It's called oh. "We Are a Cult Inside Bitcoin's Shameless Hyperfest" by Emily Sugarman. Yeah, I have to look that up. I want to I, read that. It's a. I mean what i get from the it's our, daily our, beast daily oh the, daily beast oh wow yeah oh,
2: yep that's legit that's a legit pub
0: um so or used to be what i yeah I don't know. um what i got from it is that it was uh it it just sort of like painted the bitcoin space or bitcoiners as cultists but didn't really sort of go into the nitty-gritty about what or what like why you know what i mean yeah yeah right i mean you know what was
1: what's weird about that for me is that um i've never been like the guy who wanted to be a part of like a fraternity i never wanted to be a part of any group any club i like like i run away from those things like put a title and like brand some group of people and i'm like stay away and then you learn about bitcoin and i'm like the full-on evangelist right like the people i work with call me the bitcoin preacher because that's like all i want to talk about and so you do like once you like figure this thing out it's like all you want to do is share it with people because you feel like if they don't get it they're not coming with me on this totally. thing that's going to change the world and so so you do become a little bit evangelical about it but you're doing oh, it yeah. because because you love people and you want them to figure this out
0: no i so, totally agree i, know, I mean it, it definitely takes on religious like sort of fervor as well you know yeah it just has this sort of feeling behind it but right. that's an interesting there's a lot of parallels there's a thing, lot of parallels but yeah. I think that's a really interesting thing that we should discuss I kind of want to go into your background a little bit Paul. Oh, sure sure I just want to know a little bit about you yeah yeah no, no I, I'm happy to do it so um
1: and it, it's a little squirrely so I'll try and keep it in line but um so basically, I've been in finance for about 25 years, right? So started with Payne Weber as a financial advisor. And then from there, went uh, to Northwestern Mutual, from Northwestern Mutual into Wells Fargo for a very short stint because I had to get out of there immediately. Place was a disaster. And then uh, from there, uh, went into Canandaigua National Trust Company. And I've been there now for about 11 years. So I'm a senior vice president financial Um, advisor with canada national trust we do wealth management and trust administration but then along the way there's all these little side side projects um so i started carmel brewing company in carmel california uh, microbrewery and sold that to the ub group uh let's see had three restaurants uh had a film production company did a fly fishing film called Raising the Ghost, which was on the Fly Fishing Film Tour in 2009. Uh, And then currently now I'm working with Byte Federal, a Bitcoin ATM company. And uh, I do business development for them. So, yeah. uh, And then, well, uh, actually, through my Bitcoin preaching, met Mm -hmm. Charlie Shrem when he moved Mm -hmm. to Sarasota. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, along with the boys from Byte Federal, and block spaces up in tampa founded the uh, florida blockchain business association and uh, we found samuel arms he still runs it today and he's up in tallahassee and gainesville uh doing everything he can to make sure that bitcoin and crypto are well supported here in florida nice so there you go what uh
2: what is your story and how you how you found bitcoin what you how what got you into it
1: um you know, I first, I think it was like 2013, I first heard about Bitcoin and I dismissed it like pretty much everybody else. At that point in time, I had, uh, I had my restaurants and I was running those and that was kind of taking up all my time. So I didn't pay much attention to it. And then after moving to Florida, 2017 picked up a Stansberry article about Bitcoin, Stand they were talking, yeah, they were talking about they weren't talking about a positive light, but I was interested in what was happening in the price movement, right? And so I started digging into it and just devouring as much content as possible, bought a little bit and was up hundred percent in like a so, month. This is what you bought year? a little more and was up another hundred percent and it just like kept going and going, right?
0: What what year is this?
1: 2017. Okay. Mm. Right, and so I watched this thing go from like when I first started buying it at three thousand or something like that, up to twenty thousand. And during that time, right, it, it's like accelerating your consumption of of right. any research. And back then, there's very little, right? So mm-hmm. I, I was digging into like everything I could find, and uh, and then going through the bear market, and that was like the best thing that could have happened to me, right? Because it kind of it got me into Tone Vase it got me into Jimmy Song and it, it really kind of focused me of oh my god I've got to sell all these shit coins and I've got to get right into Bitcoin because this is this is the change this is the important thing right this is the signal not the noise and so uh, that really got me focused on being more maximalist in my approach to to crypto um, and then by the time I got to 2019 just hundred percent Bitcoin and just have been focused ever since.
0: That's some, uh, that's a pretty nice conviction there, you know, to, it, it's strange. It's not strange, but I'm, I'm curious like how someone from such a like heavy finance background, you know, looking to build things, you know, how it's like, how do you make that transition to Bitcoin? It's like, I guess you see. Yeah. I think I was, I was like a little bit of a gold bug
1: Ah, the entire time. Right. So I always felt like, uh, did you understand inflation? Yes. Okay. Right. And and so, and, and I understood because for whatever reason, I'm, I'm more of a visual guy. Right. So I'm I'm more of a technical approach to investing and I found Elliott Wave early on in my investing uh, management career. Mm-hmm. And Elliott Wave gives you this way to look at charts and and sort of go back through time and, and, and understand how history is going to progress as mm-hmm. it's reflected in the chart, right? Mm-hmm. And how society is going to progress as the way it's reflected in the chart. And so, so you, you, you begin to look at charts from a historical perspective and understanding about what other empires went through, whatever mm. what other currencies went through. Mm. And then you bring that all into Bitcoin and you're like, holy smokes. And you're looking at this chart and you're looking at, at the, um, the adoption and you can just see the Elliott waves playing out perfectly, right? And they don't often play out perfectly in the traditional markets, right? They're, they're very tricky. It's a a great form of study to learn history and how it's reflected in prices, but Mm -hmm. it is hard to actually use it to like be a successful trader. And then you apply it to this nascent, completely free market. And it was just like, just drawing perfect chart patterns. You're like, oh my God, it's just, it's perfect. Right. And so it made me realize like, well, this is the first like really free market I've ever looked at. Right, where it's oh. totally driven back then when there was no institutional investors, it was totally mm-hmm. driven off the emotional, um, the emotion of all the traders involved, right? All these retail traders are just drawing these perfect charts with this mass psychology. And so I was just like, oh man, I this I know exactly where this thing is going. And I got to get on board as, as fast as possible. And then, and then at the blow off top, you're like, well, now I know where it's going too, because this is this, this this pattern. This uh, this is the classic Wall Street pat- pattern, you know, <laughs> the blow off top, and we're going to go, we're going to go into a big contraction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so anyways, that was really uh, exciting for me to see such a free market just get exposed to the world, come out and, and be really a retail asset and not not an institutional asset. You know, every I mean, I'm definitely the black sheep in the trust company. Everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy, and uh, you know probably, uh, too high, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely been a great, great experience. And I, I kind of miss those days, right? Like with the institutional oh, investors totally. being in here now, it's not, uh, it's definitely not the fucking Bronco that it used to be.
2: So what do you, do you like to say, I told you so to the doubters from the 2017 area oh, yeah. now that everybody's yeah, kind of for sure. kind of admitted that it's here to stay? Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> i just kind of go eh, yeah
2: so it sounds like you the, the way you were talking about you were studying the past um have you read ray dalio's new book uh changing world order
1: i haven't read his book so just i just kind of understand yeah. the long-term debt cycle and i understand the liquidity trap and the fourth turning and, and the way this is all going i haven't read his specific book though.
2: Yeah. I think if if anybody's thinking about reading that one, I think it's worth checking out. It's it's very similar. He kind of a, rehashes most of modern financial and economic history and kind of the right. cycles that they go through. And he kind of breaks down how he's built his um, his system of investing based on following these trends. So it's like a right. pretty good study of that. And it's kind of see yeah. how this one's playing out, which of course is the, probably the end of another debt cycle, which is not
1: you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. It is for right. sure the end of another debt cycle. And I, th- I, I agree with like, almost everything that he has published in regards to the debt cycle. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think the only place I dis start to disagree with him, and this is because of my belief in Bitcoin, is that, you know, he follows the traditional path towards China is going to emerge as the new empire. Right. And, the dollar is going to decline. The yuan is going to come up and become the world's reserve currency. They're going to be the empire that's managing the globe, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the that's the Thucydides trap. And if you're to the, the Department of Defense of the United States, you don't think you've wargamed that out already? Like a million times? Mm-hmm. You don't think they know that's coming, right? I mean, with artificial intelligence, computer simulations, and history, I mean, certainly if I know that's coming, <laughs> there's people far smarter than me that know this is coming, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So right. so, all of a sudden Bitcoin comes in on the scene. And to me, that becomes the best defense mm-hmm. to the offensive move that China is going to mm-hmm. try and impose on the globe. And what I mean by the best defense, right, is if, if for the... Thucydides trap not to come to fruition, something's gotta come in underneath the dollar, underneath our energy grid, underneath our society to coordinate us and recenter us, <sighs> stop the divisions that are happening here mm-hmm. and bring us back to this point where maybe we're not the empire, but at least we're one pillar of democracy and freedom. in Mm -hmm. in a globe that is now maybe three different pillars or two different pillars. Maybe it's bipolar, right? Maybe it's China and the U S but, but I think we're shifting. I think the United States is shifting to play defense to preserve and not lose at all. Right. Sure. And I, and I, I think like the work that Jason Lowry is doing at MIT um, he's really captured this. And I think trying to convince the department of defense that, this is where we need to go as a country. And I I can't be more excited about that because I I think it's, for me, that's always been, uh, once I really understood Bitcoin, the vision, right? Like, is this thing going to help us prevent this inevitable trap that we're going into? Mm
3: -hmm.
2: You know, it's interesting following Jason Lowry. His, you know, he can be somewhat controversial on Twitter sometimes with some of his ideas, but it's almost... The way I think of it, he's almost like he was open sourcing part of his thesis that he was going to deliver to the the U.S. government. He was putting all of his ideas out there and letting all the most passionate people about Bitcoin weigh in, argue with him, debate him, bring him on their podcasts. And, you know, that affects and he's putting that, you know, in his in his paper.
3: He's
1: going to try to present to the to the to the Pentagon. Yeah, I I think I think a lot of the pushback is is because so many people just see Bitcoin eliminating war right Bitcoin fixes this so sure. war just goes away I don't think that's necessarily true right like when we were on a gold standard when we had hard money there was still there was still warfare right um, and I think he makes a really good point when you start to think in terms of how warfare has escalated to the point of destruction of the entire planet right. We have that capability now. So if you're, if you, if you've pushed it that far, uh, and you can, at at the very least, grab as much hash power as possible, that you can make it as expensive as possible for your enemy to come and, and, and spend resources to, to attack you, right? It's like this mutual, that becomes the mutual defense system for everybody on the planet, right? So, like, I love his analogy of of the elk antlers right Right. i'm gonna my antlers are so big i'm gonna make it detrimental to you if you try and challenge me right you're gonna get stabbed with one of these right and so it's like if we have most of the hash rate on the planet and every bitcoin is precious on the planet you're gonna think twice before burning through those bitcoin to drop a bomb on us right
2: Right, it effectively becomes like an energy force field for your country.
0: Ooh. yeah, like you, you right.
2: know, like in like in a Marvel movie, right? It's like a, a right. missile hitting something. That's how they visualize it, but in reality, right. it's more—it's more like really strong mining network.
0: Yeah, the weapon is information, and it's sort of—is that right. force field against you know disseminating information or whatever? A lot of energy to like you know,
1: yeah, blow up countries and rebuild them. But the the other thing that gets the other thing that I think is so cool about what he's what he's talking about, and I, I guess this is just sort of tangentially connected, is that like we have been dropping bombs on countries in the, or, or, or under the pretense that this is gonna bring freedom to that country, right? We're gonna bring right. democracy to your country. We're gonna drop bombs on it, <laughs> destroy your resources. <laughs> Uh, and then install a democracy, and, and that's all going to work out. That's going to be great for you. I don't <laughs> think you win hearts and minds by dropping bombs on people, right? Like, like yeah. if you were dropping, if, if if China started dropping bombs on the United States, and it disrupted my life, and even if I wanted communism, right, I'd be like, man, you ruined my country.
3: Yeah. Like, right,
1: you, you, you've, you've ruined my family's savings. You've ruined... So, to me, if we want to spread democracy, how do you do it, right? You you inject the world with property rights. Right? Like, if you can inject property rights into every government, regardless of whether they're communist or democratic or whatever they are, right? If you inject property rights to the people that are uncensorable, it can't be um, confiscated by their government. You just gave them the first platform, and by the way, this is property that is number go up technology, right? You just gave them the platform that then extends to value increases and allows me to pursue liberty, because if I have resources, I can pursue liberty, and if I get liberty, then I've got a life, right? I can now, I can start to think about the future of my life for my family and for Uh, raising my children and what what their future looks like that injecting that across the planet that's the game changer right so like what's happening in nigeria what's happening in el salvador uh, what's happening in north korea where people are beginning to see the value of bitcoin from that perspective that's how we get democracy on this planet that's how we wipe out communism by empowering individuals to then right. free themselves to then change their government right the ground up instead of yep, the, yeah the right down. exactly
2: <laughs> like hyper like hyper bitcoinization right it starts with you it's like it, it's a yeah. seed that grows from within that's exactly. you know people were excited rightfully so we were all excited yeah. when el salvador adopted it but it was a top-down approach there and you know if you've been there you know it's still early and they're still figuring things out but the places like el Zante, where they have themselves adopted the technology and hyper Bitcoin like in their community, it's so yeah. much stronger. And so much, it's growing so much faster than other parts of the country that Right. even if people don't understand Bitcoin on like a, you know, a deep level, like maybe we're talking about here, they see the success around them and they see what that success is coming from, what it's stemming from. And it's coming from this understanding of this revolutionary money. And it just, it just draws people in. It's they live by their example.
1: Yeah. You, and you said it, you said, uh, I think you said something about like planting seeds or seed that grows right. from within you. When we were in Bitcoin Miami, we called it orange seeding instead of orange. Sure. From the same perspective, perfect. like we're, we're planting seeds. We're planting seeds in mines. We're planting seeds in people all over the globe. And that that that's just growing, right? And it's just becoming right. more and more uh, of a, a centering point for people to see hope for their future, right? I mean, I, I was a pretty pessimistic person most of my life until I found Bitcoin, honestly. Totally. Like I always saw the, um, you know, I, I always saw sort of like the scam or the the um, the fraudulent side of things, uh, a little bit of a conspiracy minded, not trusting, you know, individual. And then you, you find Bitcoin, you're like, this just cuts through all that
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh and it gives you a way to go like oh, man this could change the game for for me my family for everybody i love and the, that that's i think when you become that evangelist and you're just like right
2: like it's, i don't
1: i don't care how crazy you think i am i have to tell you this
2: <laughs> right. it's, it's it's like to sum that up is, it's, it's the, re- the reason they say Bitcoin is hope, right? It, you see that trustlessness and that it can't be corrupted. And it kind of slowly turns your cynical heart, like, you know, yeah. to be an optimist.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I would say that's like how it affects me for, as well.
1: Yeah, that's cool. So t- tell me, Dan, a little bit about like programming, like the coding you're doing. What, Like, is it Swan related, Bitcoin related? Or is it
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, oh. a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, um I until last year, I was, you know, I, I worked for a health insurance company uh, or health insurance marketing companies. We were just doing like big data sets that help um, these com- these companies make better underwriting decisions for their their health plans. And uh, I had, you know, I'd been in Bitcoin for a while. I decided to go to switch it over and just go 100. Just you know, nice. work for a Bitcoin company. So I applied at Swan because I had been hanging out at the Swan Dome at the. Uh, Bitcoin 2021. Um, that was probably the best part of the conference. So I figured that's the company I wanted to work for. They're Bitcoin only. Got the job. So that's what I've been doing. Great. I've been working there full time since October 21, and I'm building the uh, the advisor services platform for Andy Edstrom. Uh, so that nice. I anticipate nice. launching that probably in the next month or so. So don't hold me to that timeline, but you know it's coming soon. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I love Swan. Then, yeah, I love yeah, stacking yeah. with Swan. And in my in my spare time, I, I do contribute to the Bitcoin Beach Wallet uh, down in El Salvador, the excellent. open source uh, project through Glay Money. So Very that's cool. kind of why I went down there to check that out back in February. Uh, it was a great trip. And I think more people are really going to like El Salvador if they make it down there.
0: Yeah, excellent. Do you, do you think that coders will be like revered in the future? Like I think these will like, be too in common.
2: <laughs> I think I think there'll be too many coders for them to be really revered. I think they'll be kind of like, but they'll be respected, right? Like the manufacturing class, like the 1950s, like the people that they just go to work every day and they build things. They build the infrastructure that we use. Like we're doing that as software developers. We're just doing it on a digital scale instead of a physical world scale. So I think that it does seem like a a challenging task or a challenging skill to learn. But I think if you, like anything, when you start early, start kids doing it, you'll just have, you know, an army of of skilled coders that can build everything for you.
1: One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about lately, and this is related to coding is that for the first time in history, we've given these engineers this toolkit called Bitcoin. Totally. And and the geek, the more geeky they are, the earlier they got in. Right. And, and, and now that they could attain this incredible wealth. So like, imagine like seeding all the great minds of history with hundreds of millions of dollars each. <laughs> imagine what they would have achieved. Right. Because they were free to tinker and toil. They didn't have to worry about feeding themselves or feeding their family or <laughs> making a living. Right. So if you take people like Adam back and <laughs> and these other great minds right you seed them with Bitcoin and it becomes five hundred a million, 10 million dollars a coin. what is going to come out of these guys in the future mm-hmm. i I think wow. the coders of the few like the coders today that are seeded with Bitcoin are going to go on to change the world like this is just the beginning right mm. like we talk about how Bitcoin's gonna empower people, thinks when they start applying cryptography uh, and their coding skills and the lightning network and uncensorable speech and uncensorable identity, and, and then start delivering that across the planet. I mean, it. it I think the next, or well, the rest of my life is gonna be insane, insanely oh, I, positive, right?
2: I- agree with this. I was just saying that I had a tweet the other day. It was, you know, if you're a young entrepreneur who knows a little bit about coding, you have a Raspberry Pi node, so now you have a, you know, you set up a a lightning channel, you have your bank account, your business, Uh, you just draw up a a few apps that make somebody's life slightly more convenient. They start sending you sats, value for value. Anywhere you are in the world, you've got a business that you can run, and you've got access to the, you know, the banking. There's nothing you don't have to get a a permit there's no license no permission you can just build your business take over the world next elon musk could come up
1: from that right so many ideas today good ideas people are sitting on can't get the funding to get them done right right because maybe they're not maybe they're not incredibly profitable right bitcoin wasn't launched to be like i mean it traded for 15 months without any value Mm-hmm. something like that right it wasn't like oh okay well we're starting at a dollar and we're going to go to ten dollars and a hundred. like no, we're just we're going to try this experiment and see if mm-hmm. we can make something that is going to be better for humanity where now you're never going to get a project off the ground unless you can show in your business plan how you're going to return capital to the investors 10x 100 right if you you're going to have to like significant show them clearly how you plan to make money right but a lot of the best inventions that have really fixed humanity had no clear path Mm -hmm. to profitability right now look at look at tesla's zero point energy sure that couldn't be monetized so it didn't get released but if tesla was sitting on a billion dollars worth of bitcoin it would have got released
2: I mean, think about it, just just the internet itself right that there was a lot of military funding that went into that in the beginning because who, who's going to invest all that money it's, right it's one of those things that either it yeah. gets kicked off somehow
1: yeah or it, somebody else monetizes it and figures it out all right? yeah so i think there's some awesome things to come it's think- all going to be driven out of the bitcoin community
0: 100%. do you think that the early adopters to bitcoin understood it's significance,
1: Not necessarily
0: as we as we understand it today.
1: But I don't All I can say is from listening to interviews with 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 people like Adam Back and um, and others that. They, they clearly state that. They weren't sure if it was going to work.
0: Mm. Uh, so we're basically it, we're, it, we're learning it about took, it. Like
1: what I just listened to an interview with Adam talking about how um, he tested it and tested it and tried tried to maybe fine tune it or fix it or tweak it and and then realize that like you, you really shouldn't mess with it. It's just mm-hmm. kind of humming along the way it's supposed to. And what and I just read a tweet not too long ago. Uh, Wences Casares like spent like two hundred fifty thousand dollars trying to hack it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Before he bought two million dollars worth. Mm-hmm. Right, so, like um, this, like I think any coder, and you would know better than me, is gonna be like, well, it's it's software, you know, it could have all sorts of bugs in it, it could have all sorts of problems in it.
2: Mm-hmm. That's yeah, part of that's part of what drew me to it was understanding the value of the decentralized nature of the nodes, uh, was knowing that hacking it wasn't really a a feasible thing that was gonna happen, right? And then there was I think his name is Dan Kaminsky. And he's probably, if you were to have a ranking in a tech magazine of who are the top hackers, ethical or otherwise, he would be at the top of that list. And I think he found this really incredible exploit in the DNS system we use for domain names that um, that he you know prevented a lot of crazy uh, exploits from occurring by finding it. Anyways, he went to try to hack Bitcoin. And he when he wrote about it in his blog, he, or in his article he talked about how every way that he would have attacked it he would get to that point and there would be a comment in the code that would be indicating that this is here because i'm blocking this exploit Dude. he was so satoshi wrote every possible Crazy. defense mechanism into the code base itself
1: that's insane
2: man it's like a, it's like a, you know it's so, like immaculate conception
1: yeah right is Satoshi a person? <laughs> That's the alien? question. Is it, is it
2: a person? Is it multiple people? Is it the ancient aliens guy is that we're really talking right. about? It's not the who built the pyramids. It's who designed Bitcoin. Right. Yeah, it's hey, this,
1: like this. Our little, uh, our little, um, <laughs> our little uh, weasels that live in our cage are going to go <laughs> off the rails here. We gotta, we gotta insert a new bit of technology here so that they don't annihilate <laughs> <gotta highlight> themselves. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's sort of incredible the you know, sort of impermanent or permanence of, of information that Bitcoin is. Yeah, like wh- what that right, means.
2: The, right, like the, the Michael Saylor, Lex Friedman interview that was like a week or two ago, mm-hmm. when uh-huh. he, he kind of said what everybody is this kind of this trending idea that you know, lightning network is the spatial and uh, the on-chain is the temporal, and the, that's what Michael Saylor says. You know, this is how you send money twenty years into the future, mm-hmm. right? That—that's what the uh, the blockchain is for, and that's kind of intuitive. But here, to hear it said, to hear it said, and to right. think about
1: it in that concept, I think or, that really remember, affected a uh, lot of people. Peter Thiel's presentation in Miami, right, 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 when he had he had the X and Y axis, and he had Bitcoin yes. on yes. time, and he had Ethereum on speed. Mm-hmm and all of us were like oh, that should be lightning right right like
2: that's um, I mean, the market doesn't know that yet you know it's, yeah. lightning is not priced in
1: yeah yeah lightning is going to change the game
0: where where do you see um sort of sailor in 20 in 20 years what is sailor right. what what does that look like in 20 years <laughs> Like the imagine a person with I think that that's kind of like,
1: like what I'm that's kind of what I'm talking about that we're seeding these great minds with incredible capital.
0: Mm-hmm. And hey, if, yeah.
1: from everything I've heard him talk about, I mean he's gonna use it to educate the world, right? He wants, I mean, he wants to take Sailor Academy to create a million PhDs. So we're yeah, gonna, gonna improve, right?
2: A legacy mm-hmm. like the Vanderbilt's.
1: Right. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that Bitcoiners are going to do with their wealth Mm -hmm. is they're going to, like, I don't need any more money. I don't have to worry about money. I'm going to build something that's going to better the planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are the kind of people that are in the Bitcoin community. That's, that's freaking incredible. So I, I, that's where all the hope comes from for me is like the people that the early or the large whales that uh, I've heard speak that are in just incredible people right i mean look at like uh ricardo salinas at miami 2020 was an incredible right. speaker the way he was what he was talking about he gets it yeah he gets it and he talked about central banks around the world how they impacted him and his family how they took on a gold standard to to preserve their wealth and now he sees bitcoin as a future and he sees all that that disruption coming for the positive for people all over the planet you know i mean i i when I start looking at the future of uh, like North, Central and South America, I think Central and South America mm. come out of this Bitcoin era, just crushing it, right? I we're it we're in, in North America, we're gonna try and hold on to what we have achieved. I think if the, the countries in South and Central America that adopt the Bitcoin standard are going to accelerate like at an unbelievable pace. Mm. I mean, just there's so much pent up demand of good people in Central and South America that want to do the right thing for their families and, mm-hmm. and, and for their culture and have not been able to because of the corruption and the failing currencies and, and not having the economic infrastructure. And now we're just delivering that on a cell phone.
2: Hmm. Yeah, like those, that.
1: People, those countries are going to yeah. accelerate.
2: Imagine Brazil with all those natural resources.
1: Oh my God. All that yeah.
2: potential right? unleashed on, on the Bitcoin In a, a way
1: to just like sidestep corruption.
2: Totally.
0: Massive. It's, yeah. It's like, uh, it makes me think like Bitcoin fills in the, the cracks of society or something like that. You right. Know, it,
2: like, it washes up all that, all that wasted energy, all yeah. that, all that heat loss, all that energy loss that, we spend trying to keep prices stable or keep a currency stable, or the, you know, the dollar hegemony, I mean, keeping that enforced worldwide. So much energy that is so much cantillion effect, there's just so much inefficiency that it gets wiped out in a Bitcoin standard. Did you see the, that crazy speech, uh, maybe a week or two ago by Janet Yellen talking about uh, the wonderful invention of Satoshi yeah. Nakamoto? Can yeah. unreal. Can
0: you tell me a little I bit about I... it? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, Sorry. it was.
2: She was at. It was a, a big event by the Treasury, and they made their, you know, a, a official her first official speech about crypto and like the regulations and such they were going to pursue. And she opens it with this, the speech about uh, how blockchain, Satoshi Nakamoto consensus, uh, how it's this revolutionary technology, and she just kind of talked about it in this very yeah she like she revered it almost kind of like yeah, basically
1: acknowledged that mm-hmm. uh acknowledged the invention acknowledge mm-hmm. the uh you know the the like peer to peer with uh aspects like, without no no uh, yeah no third party intermediary right. um and, and so she talked about talked about it in a way that was like oh you've actually studied this a little bit like you you kind of got it mm. and right. i remember yeah hearing that and i was like is this just a positive excerpt like did i not like show me the rest where she says it's for criminals and terrorists and gonna boil the oceans right like i i wanted to see the whole speech because i was certain there had to be like something that was cut off that was extremely negative Mm -hmm. (laughs) right but i've heard everybody just saying positive things that you know that she's figuring it out
2: It wasn't an offhand comment. That was like an official speech as heard as the Secretary of the Treasury. This was official government opinion or so to speak or their position on what they look, how they Mm -hmm. view Bitcoin. So that was a big, yeah, it was a big moment, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like with Gensler, Yellen, they are understanding that there's value in Bitcoin. I think they're still on the fence with, altcoins and i i think oh, yeah. they want to figure out how to regulate stable coins so that it doesn't completely disrupt the banking sector
2: right exactly right they there, there's a lot of bankers with a lot of influence they, they don't want to yeah. lose their jobs you know right they want to be made obsolete by these right st- jamie jamie
1: diamond's written a lot of checks
2: <laughs> right exactly <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's, 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 get it's gotten to the point where they know they can't stop it. They're just kind of putting their arms out and they're trying to slow down one side and trying to stabilize right. the other side so they can make sure that there's a soft landing and that it's not yeah, too much, uh, luck. too much good of, luck of an earthquake. One. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's inevitable. It's inevitable.
1: Uh, Jerome Powell, to, I, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, uh, is quoted in saying something like, you know, I'm going to fight inflation uh, and have growth at the same time <laughs> yeah good yeah. luck with that <laughs> this uh, no is yeah,
2: between this <laughs> and in the, the japanese central bank they're they're starting to lose control it's almost like they're trying to hold a basketball underneath the water and the pool and right. it's just shaking and it's going to shoot up soon and then they're just they're, they're looking more and more more and more clueless
1: they are i, I mean i would it's just so obvious, though, right? It's so obvious when you, when you don't have anything to lose, meaning you don't have a, a you're you're not the CEO of Citibank and you're not the you know running the treasury and you're not running the central bank, right? When, when you don't have all these incumbent infrastructures, it's so obvious that Bitcoin is the solution, and that that it's all these sort of roadblocks of History and incumbents that uh, we, well we want to bring them along with us. We don't want to. We don't want them to mm-hmm. fail, right? Because if if J.P. Morgan failed, uh, if Bitcoin emerged, that right that's a that's a bad thing. It's like we we're, we're this country is so butthurt by disruption.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
1: like a lot of these companies just need to die. They need to go away because if if they don't. We're stymieing our ability to re- keep dominance in the future. Like we're, we're just keeping so much garbage alive for so many years that would have just long ago been wiped out. And then you have you have countries that uh, have no infrastructure that are just going to leap ahead of us, right? El Salvador is a great example. Mm-hmm. You, you just banked what? How many? Three million plus people? Like that? By downloading a wallet and giving them Bitcoin and, and USD? So what did that cost? <laughs> right? What like you, you start talking about energy consumption? What would it have cost to the environment if you had to put in all the cabling, all the sewage systems, build all the banks, drive to the bank, go home, go make do that every week put in all the wiring infrastructure connect all those banks like oh my god like that right. that that is massive energy consumption it would have taken decades No, no, we, oh, we're just okay. gonna we're gonna take six months we're gonna bank three million people
2: the the u.s interstate system right how much energy did that take it's like it's like building the lightning yeah. network you know right. it's like this all these connections like you have to Bring your business and, and park it somewhere. Build it somewhere near one of these roads that they built. So
1: when you, that, when you don't have that, when you don't have that, that incumbent infrastructure, like the United mm-hmm. States, like we did the cable lines, and then we did the fiber optic lines, right, and then we did mobile. It's like if you don't have any of that stuff, and you you just or you just are willing to abandon it and say like it's dead, it's dead technology. I'm I'm jumping to the future. Then you can progress. So, so we, we really like a lot of these countries with that have no infrastructure are going to be able to jump ahead financially faster than than any of the developed nations.
2: Yeah, like in software, it's kind of this thing we call technical debt. You build all this, there you go, build all yeah. this infrastructure into something. And then if you, you have to build a new you know a new product right. or you got to pivot, right? And you just got all right. this infrastructure you build this debt. You gotta yeah. build around. It's the same with countries. Oh
1: my god. General we have the same. just like a, yeah.
2: We General have the Powell's same problem like, in traditional like CTO
1: traditional finance. Yeah. All, all the like software platforms that we run on are so bad. And that none of them yeah. are able to adapt any of, of the, the new technology. So it's just it's just stuck in its purgatory.
2: A lot of banks are running on COBOL, which is yeah. you know, the developers for COBOL. Those guys are dying off. They're not going to be yeah. around in twenty years.
1: That's exactly. Exactly. Well, why why hang on so- to
0: the Why hang on to the technology like that?
1: Oh, a lot of it has to do with regulation, and a lot of it has to do with the banks are not good technical. You know, most banks don't have right. strong tech department. Um, the bigger banks have invested a lot in building proprietary systems, but the small, mid-sized, mm-hmm. regional banks haven't been able to. Um, and I, and I, you know, if you, uh, from a regulatory perspective, you've got to keep all this, these back records and you've got to be able to connect cost basis and data and transactions from the past to the future. And so merging that into a new system is always like really, really difficult. Mm. And so a lot of them just go, eh, you know. (laughs) they bolt stuff on top like i'll get this little software over here i'll get this little software and so we have all these little systems that are separated that we're constantly logging into and logging out of you know
0: i heard a story like uh the marriott or like all of the hotels still use the oldest booking software there is i wouldn't doubt it
2: so yeah, there's a lot of legacy systems out there that
0: yeah. I mean, When I was in the air force, man, we were using
2: stuff like, I mean, I got out in 2010, but even then we were using some of these radar tracking devices that were built in like the sixties and seventies and they hadn't been serviced since the early eighties because the company that created them went out of business in the early eighties. And they they've just been kind of making it work since then. Um, and If it works, it works, you know, like it doesn't have to be this digital fancy thing. If it works, if it isn't broken, broken. unless
1: it's broken, that's what, you know, so, uh, you know, the end of the debt cycle, Dalio's debt cycle, right. At the end of all that and going into the fourth turning, that's what that's all about. That's just burning up the old deadwood, like clearing out the undergrowth so that we can start fresh. And it's unfortunate that we have to go that far right but but bitcoin is definitely like the new green shoot that's coming up out of the undergrowth right and um, so when you start to see, you start to project that into the future it's going to be a very very promising future but we're gonna to have to go through some you know what to get to get there
2: right it's 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 almost like the i heard somebody made this analogy that the financial system we're in now is is it's like when a state prevents fires from a, like in california they don't let fires happen yeah. and then it just yeah. all this tinder builds up and when it finally goes it's, it's massive it's this huge oh, fire massive, right and that's that's what we're kind of working yeah up to i right
1: lived now. in uh i lived in bozeman montana during the yellowstone fires mm. exactly right it was just it was out of control it just burned like half the park because they didn't let stuff burn for years and years and years
0: yeah in los angeles we were seeing. Uh the fucking sky being orange you know it's like the strangest oh, that, yeah. strangest strangest thing to see yeah well,
3: well,
2: i hope i hope it's i hope they i hope the financial system doesn't burn down as bad as you know like australia did right before covid
1: what's happening with australia these days
2: i haven't seen any the videos news of the, people getting the like
1: Trampled yeah, by the, the news of people being locked in cages is kind of dissipated
0: now that uh, now that China's literally locked in. Ukraine war is going on oh, here. Yeah. So I have a I'm so not up to date with like any other countries as I should be.
1: And it like... is like like all the news on everything that's happening around the planet just stops, right? When there's a new focus, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean right. Putin invades the mm-hmm. trucker convoys over, mm-hmm. the US trucker convoys a non-event. You know, uh, now we're now we don't have to wear mask anymore, COVID's gone. Right. It's such a joke. You're just
0: you're just like going you're like right rifling through memes, you know, of the of yeah, the time. Exactly. It, it, yeah it's like oh ads. It's, it's like, like the golden
1: retriever going squirrel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we talk a lot about a lot about memes on this show. The, um I, I don't want to take the I don't want to go completely that, off the rails unless what someone had something right. to... i was just
1: gonna say like this yeah.
0: meme i've been having in my head is like a painting
1: okay. of the founding fathers mm-hmm. cre- you know mm-hmm. creating the constitution but then like dropping in like robert breedlove's face <laughs> michael saylor's <laughs> face <laughs> preston pish's face you know right like putting all these like, like it, you, yo, know, yo, you know you know what's be the... thomas jefferson you know Let's, what,
2: what, it's like I, thomas I, jefferson I, 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 I've had a really common or a similar meme in my head of, you know, like before the American revolution, right? Like the, the seeds were sowed in the pub houses where everybody was sitting around and, and talking about like, these, these taxes aren't fair. This is bullshit, right? That's what mm-hmm. Twitter spaces is now you've got just people oh, yeah, all over yeah. and it's like even more than it's bigger than the United States. It's global. It's people thinking about, you know, are, are, this fiat system's broken. We've got a better Good system.
3: Point.
2: Let's yeah.
1: let's band together. Yeah, you're right. And like, so what's going to yeah. be what's yeah. going to be the global tea party, right?
2: Yeah, it's. Be, I mean, it's the orange. It's the orange pill party. It's the orange seed right. party, whatever you want to call it. Well, you know, it's what, it's what
1: it
3: is.
2: Willie
1: Wu had this quote a long time ago that I thought was so brilliant, and he said that World War III is not going to be between governments. It's going to be between people and their government. Mm.
2: Yeah, I think. Hmm. I think I. I, think, see, I was like, yeah, I, exactly. I, I like that that perspective it does seem that it is in in the american cities right you've got the states or the, the people clashing with uh, the governments and it's it's going to keep spreading out probably probably see more of it this year and this summer once the everybody gets back yeah. out again
1: i feel like if if, if they're if like humanity all of a sudden focused on this consensus that we didn't have to listen mm-hmm. to what the government wants us to do and instead we did what was better for us as humans that we would we be on a better path right like masks um, like i've always like i always think that like the average person wherever you live on this planet the average person always wants the same thing right they want their family to be healthy happy they want to have enough resources to enjoy life be comfortable take and create a better future for their kids. Right. So that, mm-hmm. that's like the base level goal of every human on the planet. And if people would just focus on that and not feel like they had to listen to their government, right. But that they, they realize that everybody had the same mutual goals. Uh, it, it, yes, it's yes. like that enlightenment, that enlightenment would change everything. But there's so many people that, that I work with a lot of them. (laughs) There's so many people that like have to follow every rule. Right. They're so obedient that they, it goes beyond being able to think for themselves and be like, wait a minute. I don't care if this is the rule or the law. Is this right or wrong? Is this pro humanity or negative for humanity? Like, is this human nature or not? Like, Those sort of base level, that base level understanding of natural law, I think everybody has that and that there's a few psychopaths that use power and government to attain power and oppress and apply pressure on people. And people just have to come to this realization. I think the trucker convoy in Canada was a great example of that, of good people coming to the conclusion that we, we don't really have to listen to what they're saying. Let's just do what we right. think we know is right. And let's just take care of ourselves. It just start like, what if everybody just started ignoring their government? <laughs> what would happen? Well, yeah, I mean, right? we, just like we said, literally just start like, Oh, no, we're not doing that anymore. So. Thanks. You know,
2: in the fiat system, when you got the cantillionaire, like the people who are closest to, the money printing machine. You survive by obeying the most rules. If you're the most that's compliant, right. the most rule-following, yeah. you will always get access to the cheapest capital. Right. And once that
3: it
2: I mean. turns <laughs> off, and you gotta work, you gotta, you gotta work for your money, right? Like then yeah. that's when kind of decentralized. That's, like, that's why to we need have fuck us you something. money. Exactly. Right.
1: <laughs> that's what <laughs> we're talking about, right? We're talking about fuck exactly. you money. So we're gonna be like, eh, we don't care.
2: And what is Love fuck you money that. if you don't say fuck you?
1: There's some fiat people over there that will listen to you. Try them.
2: Right. And those people aren't oh. going to be very, uh, very productive. Relatively.
1: It's, 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 it's like it's so easy to talk to like you guys, right? Because we mm-hmm. all we're all on the same page, right? And then you right. start ex- expressing these ideas to people that <laughs> aren't Bitcoiners, no Coiners, and they're like, oh. "You're in a cult." Like you're insane. Like well, no, no, I don't, I don't think I'm insane. So my echo chamber. I'm not. my feed, my Twitter feed says I'm, I'm doing well.
2: (laughs) A lot of those people seem really pissed off or they seem really doom and gloom. And I'm, I have a lot of hope in my life. So whatever I'm doing or whatever we're doing, I think that uh, it's, it's working out better for us.
1: Yeah. And it'll work out better for them too, whether they know Mm -hmm. it or not. Right. 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 Because it, it, it'll fix so many of the corruption and bribery issues that, that drive so much of our economy today, drive so much of the global relationships today. Um, I mean, it's going to take time, but it is going to correct a lot of that. It's just going to, you're going to lose, you know, you're going to lose the ability to bribe people with the dollar. I mean, how much of our international relationships, are us bribing people with the dollar or China bribing people with Euro dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it, there's, there's so much uh, financial incentive that you, you might even think you're doing, you're doing it for all the right reasons. You, You might not even realize the, the messages you're delivering and why you're delivering it. Because the system is set up to support it. The capitalist system where you can really support with enough money, you can support any bad idea. That's pretty that's pretty dangerous, right? Right. Speaking and I, and that, you know that there's a lot of bad ideas that have gotten embedded into our culture over the last 20, 30 years.
2: Speaking of that what uh what do you think of the elon musk twitter is you think that's a good idea Um,
1: i I think i do think it's a good idea yeah i mean just because uh you do need somebody who's i think for twitter to really be a free and open space you 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 would be beneficial for us to have somebody who owns a company who's just like "Eh, say whatever you want i don't care (laughs) right well he said the other day uh the best outcome would be if if the ten percent on the far left and the ten percent on the far right were equally pissed off.
3: Like, yeah, right. So right, that, right.
1: That would be perfect. That would be perfect. But I think Michael Saylor has the right idea in regards to, um, uh, you know, making everybody put like a hundred Sats or something in it, into the account and getting an orange orange check and 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 so that you can't. So it's you know really expensive to try and like create. A million right. Twitter accounts to go out right. and attack people.
2: This, this is my this is my conspiracy theory. So I think the issue that I I think that Elon Musk, if he buys it, they'll come and they they'll probably be able to fix the spam problem very quickly. I think the reason that it hasn't been fixed already is because. A lot of people buy those fake bot accounts. I uh-huh. uh, used to work for a marketing company. They used to buy it for right. their brands. Like it just make it seem like you have yeah. a thousand, a couple thousand followers, and then right. these bots just kind of they interact. Twitter, I think, turns a blind eye to that because without those bots, the the volume and the activity and the active user base is big. much much lower. And I think they're right. they're they're letting that happen because that's how they're selling ads. Yeah, and it's not if they if they fix the spam, it could be a real detriment to their to their income that's i think that's kind of the
1: issue yeah right yeah yeah for sure that makes sense that it does make sense
2: but i think that problem out and fix it, it, would be would be elon so i think yeah. he'll eventually get it i think they're going to try to fight
1: whatever avenue they can without getting sued but oh man it'll, it, it'll be so enlightening to see the changes, right?
2: Mm-hmm. It'd be like a Bastille Day when everybody gets let back out of the, you know, the, the right. suspension prison and back into. All the oh, man, it's gonna be such a different.
1: It would be such a different place. It could be pretty,
0: pretty cool.
2: Like the streets after you know World War II victory
0: day. Well, <laughs> oh, uh, I just I want to be respectful of your time. It's it's been an hour, uh, how are you doing yeah. on time?
1: Yeah, I, I can go for a little longer, it's fine, it's
0: fun. Okay. Yeah.
1: Cool. yeah, yeah.
0: All right, uh, not to interrupt, there was one thing that I have down here that I wanted to speak about, unless you had one, someone had something to say? Go. No, no. Um, you mentioned something, Dan, that you said hyper Bitcoinization starts with you. I, I was curious about that.
2: Yeah, I just, in my opinion, it's uh, a lot of people, maybe they talk about hyper-Bitcoinization as, you know, we've, we've decided that Bitcoin's the global reserve currency, uh, that it's everybody's unit of account. It's, you know, it's the global payment rails, but maybe that is the eventual outcome. But I think that hyper-Bitcoinization is really an emergent, uh, phenomenon that starts with, you know, that, like you said, that seed gets planted in you and you, you go on your journey and you start experimenting with hardware wallets and you start buying shit coins, or maybe you don't, but a lot of people do. And then they realize this is not, um, this is just a waste of time. This is a distraction. And then before you know it, you know, you've got just enough cash to, to pay your debts and everything else is going into, to Bitcoin or all your time is is focused on Bitcoin and that's you hyper bitcoinizing once you get to that other side whatever that is like it's like your moment of zen then all of a sudden you see all the other hyper bitcoinized people and that's like your community here we are three of us talking now because we're going through hyper bitcoinization ourselves and that just slowly grows and then it comes becomes a city and a nation state right you've got el zante and then you've got the entire nation of, of el salvador and it's starting to spread maybe a blew in the wind right to one of the other countries one of the other seeds because now it's being talked about in paraguay and peru and brazil and mexico and honduras it just keeps spreading
1: mm-hmm.
0: seems like it's yeah. very important to get that message out
3: right yeah
1: right. i think it's, you're totally
0: right you're totally right because it, it does
1: change you
2: totally right and you, and you can see it you can tell yeah you just kind of that connection you make with other bitcoiners
1: yeah, and, and you know how safety talks about high time preference. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I have I've witnessed that in a huge way within myself. Just that patience. Like the patience, yeah. Discipline, yeah. Like, like the first year I was in Bitcoin, it was like, oh, go, 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 go. We're gonna to go to a hundred thousand right now, right? We, we don't, you know, like and now it's like <laughs> yeah, ooh, I don't want to go that fast. Yeah, right. Let's slow down a little bit. Let's let me stack some more sets. <laughs> let's get some more people on board here before right. like we don't want to go that far that fast. We want to we want to take a lot of people with us, right? We know and, we're going. Um, There's no hurry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you do you get that, you get that high time preface, that longer term view. Mm-hmm. You start to you start to think more about how is this gonna uh, how can how can this fix the government how can this fix society how can this fix education all these different and I think maybe that's where you see like the people that have been in it for four or five years have been, have been at least been through a bear cycle and stuck with it be, become a hodler and then they they begin to think about it more from uh, a, a a society. Or psychological, or religious, or however they want to relate mm-hmm. it, perspective, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just uh, an investment. And that's when you know they're in for life, right?
2: Totally. And it, and not only that, like the the high time preference and discipline and everything, it, it bleeds over into other aspects of your life. It's it's not just with Bitcoin. Like you start to yeah. value your relationships differently. You start to revalue your time, most importantly, differently. Um, And you start to make decisions that are more optimized for sustainability in your own life. And how can you can't, you can't force energy, you know, sustainability ESG on, from the top down, right? It's gotta be an individual process. If If you're not sustainable, if you're not efficient, how can you impose that? on anybody else it's like when the, the mask drops on the airplane put that on yourself before you assist others because if you can't mm-hmm. get your own your, your own self right right the same with bitcoin so it, it's you know hyper bitcoin your hyper bitcoinize yourself and then assist others
1: yeah yeah that's good i like that yeah oh, I've, uh, I've also noticed that it's uh at least internally in my mind when when people talk about how Bitcoin is going to demonetize other assets, I've started to recognize that in myself, like Mm -hmm. in the past, if I had uh, extra money, I'd be like, well, maybe I should buy a rental property. Maybe I should start this other business. Mm -hmm. And now when I look at those other assets and those other investments, and I always have to now compare that to Bitcoin. It, 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 you start to do that analysis. You're like all these other investments don't make sense, Yeah. And especially, you, 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 especially like may, may, maybe they'll make sense again in the future. Right. With like right. Bitcoin plateaus and we have mass mm-hmm. adoption and it's it, maybe, maybe it's growing at a few percent a year. I don't know, whatever but you get some sort of saturation and uh, you, you're gonna get slower growth eventually. Um, so then, then maybe you can start to look companies again and real estate projects. But right now at this point in history, it's totally demonetizing those things once you understand it. Because there's no, you can't justify the monetary premium in uh, income producing real estate when you can own Bitcoin, right? You can't, you can't justify the monetary premium in gold. You can't justify the monetary premium in any stock. You can't just, tr- you know, the monetary premium in bonds right now. Forget that. Like, so it really is demonetizing things. It, it's just people coming to that understanding.
2: Mm-hmm. What the, the the term people say to measure something? out, they say pound for pound. So, you know, kilowatt hour of energy per kilowatt hour of energy right that's going to return more right. for you in 10 years than bitcoin right all that energy you've got to expend to generate some cash or do i just and it, buy some it's bitcoin? hard
1: it's it's hard for i think n- people that are new to this space to just be like all i have to do is stack bitcoin <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that's so easy to do that it's it's hard to like rationalize that you're like Mm -hmm. you're born and raised in this fiat world where you have to like i gotta work i gotta fight i gotta struggle i gotta be better than this guy i gotta be faster than that guy right and and now all you have to do is like oh i'm just gonna dca a couple hundred bucks a week over here and just and then two years down the road you're like whoa
0: how did that happen Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you could really see the payoff you know the longer you stay in yeah Yeah, for sure. Yeah, People just have to, just got to catch on. Gentlemen, uh, any closing thoughts on the, on any matters? Mm. It's been great
1: to chat with you guys. That's my closing thought. Yeah, it was
2: a good conversation.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad I met, I met up with you, Mike. It was was, uh, a fortuitous meeting and Dan, it's nice to chat with you today. Get to know you. you as well. Yeah. Great. It was a great time. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate Podcast. You can find us at, at HighHashRate on Twitter. That's it for right now. And we'll see you in the next one.